0: You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, Listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. We are joined today by Eric Lerner, founder and CEO of the Drip Kit. He is going to lead us through some advice on starting your business with perhaps a small budget, maybe limited marketing experience. He is here to give us his story and his knowledge that he has developed over building his business. So welcome, Eric. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you moved into the realm of business?
2: First off, thank you guys for having me on. Super excited to tell people a little bit more about my story and and my clothing line that I've been working on for about two and a half years now. To answer your question, I did go into this business venture with very little experience, very little budget, and to be honest, very little idea of what was going to happen, and as soon as I realized to not really care about the opinions of others, that's kind of where I really started to succeed, um, and that's something that a lot of people today, I think, need to do a better job of, is just, if you're passionate about something, if there's something that you want to do. Um, it's unfortunate, but a lot of times Even people closest to you are going to try to bring you down. And I think that's just the nature of of people sometimes. So what I did was try to X out everything that I found is negative and worked as hard as I can to do something that, you know, I was passionate about. I knew that I always loved fashion. I always loved clothes. I always loved meeting new people and kind of just bringing all that together with, with hard work and knowing that. Um, at the end of the day, I I want to do this. That was really what kind of accelerated myself into where I'm at today. So that'd be my number one advice to how to start things off.
3: You started your business, you know, with a very small budget, with no experience. So what would you say to another um, budding entrepreneur that is in a similar situation and feels Maybe like, this isn't the right time for me to start a business. I need to wait until I have the money, until I have more experience. What would your advice be to someone in that situation?
2: So I happen to think that right now, post-COVID, is probably the best time to start a business in the entire world, just because of the amount of technology we have with social media at our fingertips. Not to mention Mm -hmm. that liking an Instagram picture is free. Reposting your buddy's Instagram story or business is free. Um, Making content on TikTok costs $0.00 and 0 cents last time I checked. Um, And like Mm -hmm. I said, just just going above and beyond of other brands. And I think that's something that I kind of struggled with my first year or two, even even today with the drip kit. But, you know, you got to find something that really sets you apart. And that doesn't always necessarily need to come with monetary value or, or having a strong budget. And um, I was fortunate enough to sit down with the two founders of Boys Lie when I first started. Um, and they really, they really taught me that. I was kind of intimidated by them because they told me they had this big budget and all these investors and people in Los Angeles and New York and Miami that were backing their business. And I, I never had any of that to start, um, but it mm-hmm. was really... Probably within the last year or so where I realized that I'm not going to rely on that. I'm going to make sure that I could do everything in my power to reach out to as many people as possible to, you know, endorse my brand and everybody that, you know, follows my page. I always send a, hey, thank you so much for the follow. Like, this means so much to me. Um, You know, I I started making t-shirts in my basement to now having people around the world support and follow and pay me to do something for this. And that is like, I still can't wrap my head around it. I don't think I ever will be able to wrap my head around it, but you know, that's the reality that I'm in right now. And it's that that's what you got to do as a young entrepreneur. Just, just go for it. And right now is the time.
1: It resonated me with it's free to like an Instagram post. It's free to talk to someone or start to network. Can you talk a little bit about your um, time? Right. So someone listening to this may think, okay, well, I spent five hours liking someone's, you know, people, my audience's posts, and I got nothing in return. Maybe this isn't working. Can you talk about how much time you put in and how dedicated you were to getting the business started with nothing?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really like, it sounds cliche, but it really is 24 seven. I love it though. Like, I don't think for a single moment that what I do is, like troublesome or a burden on me. It's, I love it. I'm constantly thinking about ideas that I can implement for an Instagram or a TikTok or who I could reach out to make my brand look better or who can I send some merch to that I know will post. And stuff like that is really just, you know as far as time goes, it it compounds. So if you post something, you know, in December that only 600 people see, it might not, you know, make a difference in January. But in six months, once you put more work in and then that person posts again and they're like, wow, they've been following this brand for six, seven months. And now look where it's at. You know, I should probably tune into that. Um, That's something that I've learned and I've seen happen even with my own two eyes with other brands. So like the other day I was in Soho in New York City where I live and I'm seeing all these brands pop up in PacSun and Urban Outfitters that, you know, I've been following on Instagram with, with two, 3,000 followers, and it just goes to show you, like, it could really happen to any brand. It's just about the work that you're going to put in and, you know, meeting the right people and networking. And that's my end goal with, with the drip kit. I I think I've put in enough groundwork right now to, you know, really any one of these days I could, I could pop and, you know, be in your local store, your local Roosevelt field mall or things like that.
3: Yeah, that is, that is really exciting. We have, somewhat similar stories in that I started this business um, when I was 23 and I started it with $500 and you know now we're 14 years later and we have this wonderful team and these lovely ladies that work with me on the management team and so I think you know when you hear um, one you know would be entrepreneurs saying I have to wait for the right time or I just don't have my finances in order. Um, you know, or maybe I'll, I'll wait a few more years. I think it's really encouraging to hear a story like yours where you just went for it. You started, you weren't thinking about anything that was going to hold you back and it sounds like you've been really successful.
2: Just went for it. Credit, shout out to my father. He gave, <laughs> he gave me $800. I'll never forget. He gave me $800. He venmo me He gave me eight, he venmo me $800 on June 7th. I'll never forget it. And I made a hundred t-shirts with $800. Oh, wow. That was the last dollar that I ever asked him for, for the clothing brand.
3: Yeah, that's (laughs) wonderful. That's wonderful. And it sounds like you really, as Nicole was mentioning, that you've really leveraged um, social media and networking and the fact that those two um, methods can be you know free basically just your time and that you've been able to be creative about that and and dedicate the time and that's really helped you to grow
2: yeah for sure i mean i've ran into you know marketing agencies that would be willing to um, give their stuff to athletes or, or like music musicians rappers for a cost, I mean anybody could do that. That that's their business. Their business is to gather product for their clients to you know wear and post, which I've I've done before. Um, I worked with a company called EMG Sports, based in Philly, that um, or they they manage someone Antonio Brown. It's a huge name, um, and then also also someone named Nahim Hines, who's on the Indianapolis Colts, and that was the one time I paid money to have him post and it turned out really great. And for someone like me who grew up loving sports um, in New York, I'm a Giants fan. I'm I'm not a Colts fan per se, but he and I really cultivated a really cool relationship um, through my brand. And that's something that, you know, I that the value of that to me is means the world that I could, you know, DM some of these athletes that I grew up watching and they know exactly who I am, what my brand is, and you know they really just want to chat. Um, it puts me on yeah. a level playing field now, and and that's a really big accomplishment of mine. I feel like, you know, that's who that's my brand. That's who I am. When when someone sees me, they're kind of looking past the fact that you know I'm Eric. That you know people literally call me Drip Kit. Oh, that, that's right. That's just the nature of the beast, and how this business model kind of just grew to have a life of its own, really. And um, like I said, just being able to connect with these athletes that, you know, have the, you know, they could get anything they want at any moment, um, but they choose to, you know, connect with someone like myself in the drip kit. So it's great.
3: So along those lines, um, what advice would you have for someone that is um, in a similar situation, they're starting their business from scratch. Uh, right now, they might not have a lot of capital um, to invest, or they just want to be more prudent financially. What is some advice that that you would give to them um, on how to to get started and make the most of it?
2: Right. So invest in yourself. um, And that goes for time and money. So you don't always need to necessarily, when you're starting a business, it's not always a dollar amount that's going to go the furthest you know write ideas down that you think you're going to be successful so you don't forget them think about Mm -hmm. things that you think make sense and that other people could use eventually once you have a legitimate business plan and a model of ways that you think it's going to work you could you could go to people and say hey listen this is a great idea that I have let's partner on something um I think we could both benefit from it you know I don't necessarily have XYZ, I I don't have, you know, the money to start it, but you might, and I have the idea. Let's shake hands and work on something. That's something that's always a possibility in life, always a possibility. And I guess maybe it's a thing in this day and age with people with money, they're they're so obsessed with it. and And I fall guilty to that too. And I think a lot of it has to do with the image that people portray themselves on social media. It's not always true. Um, hard work is always going to come before that. And if you have an idea, work towards it, find ways to get it off the ground. And if it's good enough, you'll always reap the rewards of it in the long run.
1: That's really great advice, that's, Eric.
3: Yeah, that's terrific. That is, is really great advice. I think that a lot of people in really any stage of their business can can really learn from that. So we were talking a little bit about you know when you started and just sort of the, the obstacles that that you were experiencing. Can you talk a little bit about some of your obstacles and how you overcame them and what advice you would have for our listeners to, to overcome obstacles?
2: Yeah. So I, I think it circles back to kind of how I started the conversation. A big obstacle of mine was not caring about what other people think. I think that's definitely something that's going to resonate with a lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast. And you know, strong minded individuals are not going to care. And for me, I'm not sure if I was like born with it, or I just learned it. But I visioned this the entire way. Like I knew exactly what I needed to do to make even my closest friends realize like, wow, maybe he's onto something um, that this this might this could go, you know, I see people starting to, to see what he's seeing. And that's what it has to be. It has to be like blinders looking straight. You know, the vision is clear. And once you have that vision and you're determined to to reach that point, no one should be able to stop you. And I'm not going to say that that was my thought process, you know, from day one, I obviously had doubts. Like I thought to myself probably a handful of times, like, what do I do next? Like, I just drop some hoodies and, and nobody's buying them. And I just released hats and I, I don't have enough sales. I just lost money on this. What what am I going to do? And it happens. You know, Rome wasn't built in one day. Some of the successful, most successful people and CEOs in the world have have failed. And I, I don't think that there's one business that was straight up like this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's always yeah, gonna very be good point. Downs. There's always going to be ups and downs, and it's it's just a mindset thing when you're an entrepreneur. Like I'm in this by myself. I have nobody you know, to kind of lean on to for advice. Like if I make a mistake, it's on me. If I do something great, you know, someone else might not think it's as great as I think or, or vice versa. So it's really just mm-hmm. the game of me versus me and trying to get better every day. And it really does help to become an entrepreneur. I think that mindset is, is great. I love having it. It helps in all assets of life.
3: Been, have I've you have always been, been been like that? Having that mindset?
2: Uh, I don't know truthfully. I picked entrepreneurship in school because I don't even know why. I don't even know why I picked entrepreneurship. <laughs> it wasn't like I was like always willing to do it. I was more so more so um focused on fashion before entrepreneurship and business. That was something that I I liked since I was 10 years old, you know finding the best pairs of Jordans and and the new upcoming fashion brands and who's wearing what in the NBA and the NFL and, you know, music and culture. And, and that is what caught my eye to this. And one day I was waiting on the Supreme line with my buddy for like three hours because there's a line in Soho wrapped around the block. And I come home and I tell my parents that I got a t-shirt from there for like $275 And I waited like three hours to get it. And it's literally just a t-shirt with the Supreme logo on it. And my dad is like, what are you talking about? You just, you you waited all day for this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. This is probably not going to be healthy for me. And I I just started working at the time. And I kind of started to understand the value of money. I was like, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to work on a way to, to build an affordable brand that people could like and relate to. And it's not going to be ridiculous prices like Supreme. And, and that comes back down to the, to the branding part of it. And that's something that I want to implement and hope that people understand about the drip kit.
1: You mentioned that um, you take on responsibility, obviously as an entrepreneur, but do you have a C-suite team that you bounce ideas off of? Or are you sole CEO? CFO, COO, are you the whole kit and caboodle?
2: Yes, yes. I am a a one man show right now. My mom yells at me when I post things maybe inappropriate to her on TikTok, but that's about (laughs) it. That's the only person that I really answer to at the time. And for better or for worse, that's just kind of how I want it right now. Um, I built this whole thing with my own hands. And I feel like if there was somebody else's ideas entrenched in this, I don't know what that would look like. And I'm not saying that that's my goal for the long term. I obviously want to build a team around me to do things that I'm not necessarily an expert at, maybe advertising or logistics or graphic design, things like that. And but, but right now, to answer your question, it's just me.
1: So that puts you in quite a unique spot for me to ask you some questions. So sure. ask away. Uh, how do you handle the pressure or how do you time manage having a list of tasks, right? So Danielle and I split as COO and CEO split a ton of those tasks, right? How do you handle or how do you manage taking on being the C-suite?
2: Right. So, I mean, time management, definitely very important. Um, I've also learned from past jobs that I've had when I'm working for other people that they need things done, no matter what, at a certain time. And if you're an employee of somebody else, like you, you better get it done or else that person's not going to be happy with you. Right. That that's one thing. But then if you're running this entire business by yourself and you don't do something, or you don't meet a deadline, or you make a customer unhappy, like guess who's going to be at fault for that? It's just me. Like I have to deal with that. And the fact that I might put myself in a situation to disappoint a customer who's paying money for my product, I would never want that to happen. And that really drives me to get everything done timely, efficiently, and as perfectly as I can.
1: Yeah, I was super impressed with your response times while we were networking together. I thought that really made you stand out, um, especially on a platform that. People message me back and forth all the time, right? LinkedIn is something that you can get spam messages and filtering through those things is crazy. Um, But the fact that you reached out personally definitely made you stand out. Um, It is something that I think you are excelling at. Can you talk a little bit more about your networking strategies Being the the one man, I'm gonna call it the one man show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So this is something when I network, a lot of it's done through social media just because obviously, you know, people that I want to wear, my brand, I can't text, I can't call, they're they're famous, they're in California, they're in Miami. They they don't know who Eric Lerner is. So a lot of it has to do with attention to detail with specific people that I like to follow. You know, not only, let's say like, to use an example, Jack Harlow, right? He's not going to answer me if I DM him. But if I notice continually who he's mentioning in his stories, who he's hanging around with, who his cousin might be, what's his cousin like, and mention, and then send the message to his cousin and say, hey, XYZ, my name is Eric, I run this brand, and he might only have 10,000 followers. He'll answer me every time. And that's a huge key to networking. I was able to connect with a really close buddy of mine. His name is Jarvis, and he's really close with Saquon Barkley. And I came about from him through an Instagram post that Saquon posted. And he's one of my favorite athletes of all time. Long story short, I have
3: to tell you, me me too. My husband and I both went to Penn State and we love Saquon Barkley.
2: Yeah, I, I love Saquon too. I love him. Uh, we have
3: his uh autograph in our game room we've big
2: fans yeah he's he's the best if i dm saquon barkley he'll he would never answer me I, i've done it before um but i noticed his cousin who also played football at penn state with him and i met and i messaged him and we met up and we we did a photo shoot together in new york city and he came all the way from pennsylvania couldn't have been a nicer guy did the photo shoot posted the the drip gave merch to Saquon after. And to this day, we're, we're super close. We still talk. Um, we talk about plans in New York City, sports, everything. And that's all part of networking for me. Like, I understood the best way to get to Saquon is to figure out who his circle might be and cultivate relationships through that. Because, you know, like I said, Saquon's not going to answer a DM from somebody with 2,000 followers. You know, if it was Drake or if it was Odell Beckham, he would answer. Um, but we're not quite there yet. So have to find other ways to, you know, get to what you want. And that's what happened.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a really great advice for networking because I think that a lot of people will kind of, i the story that I'm looking for, maybe like Amar's their... <laughs> have too high of expectations, maybe, you know, when they're going into social media and they might feel like they have failed at social networking, even when, you know, maybe they haven't, they just aren't using the right strategy. And it sounds like you definitely, uh, definitely have a hold on that.
2: Yes, it it comes down to, it comes down to finding out who their circle is and who they're hanging out with. And then it makes it a lot easier.
3: Yeah, definitely. And um, before we wrap up, I would just love it if you could um, share with the audience, um, you know, a little bit more um, about your business, where they can find you, where they can find you on social media, how they can follow you and keep up with what you're doing.
2: Sure. So Dripkit Clothing Brand, we're based in New York City. We ship worldwide. And the basis of the company is, is simple. The motto is to never fit in and always stand out. And that has, that's not kind of specific to the way you're going to dress, Right? It's at your job, it's at sports, it's with your family, whatever you're doing in life. Don't fit in, you know, find ways to go above and beyond, look good, feel good, and dress good. And when that happens, think of the drip kit. And that's the message that we're trying to portray. Um, shop www.thedripkit.com, Instagram at the drip kit. That's where you could find me, but uh that's my story.
3: Actually, we we would love to hear about um the good girls or cups. We were really curious (laughs) about that and we'd love to to know.
2: Sure. So everybody asked me, this is like this is the this is what's really sparked the brand, to be honest. Like I probably I designed these hats um back in August. And from August to March now, I have sold so many hats you know multiple hats a day for the past six months and really what it comes down to is the fact that it's catchy i mean i've seen gucci hats i've seen prada hats i've seen kith supreme nike as nice as a hat could be you're going to look at it you're going to interpret it and that's going to be it you know if it's a nike check you're going to look at it and you're not going to think about it again but what i've noticed with this hat and which i didn't even try to do is it's impossible to not comprehend what you just read, you know, for better or for worse, you're going to look at it. You're going to, you're going to question yourself. You're going to, you might read it again. You might say, what what does that mean? You know, is he, is he, is he talking about me? And that's what fashion is about, right? It's about interpreting what you think something looks like or, or how you feel when you wear it. And to be honest, I kind of indirectly hit on that because No matter who you are, what age group you are, male, female, you're going to interpret the hat differently. And I may or may not give away what the actual meaning of it is. I'm not sure if I should.
1: I don't think you should. (laughs) Knowing the art space, I don't know if you should, right? The purpose is to let people let their imagination go where it is and question it and rethink about it again and have the drip kit on their brain because they saw whatever you may have posted on a hat or walking past someone on the streets and saw a shirt. Do you, just that mentality that you explained about the particular hat, do you, are you in the NFT space at all?
2: I would like to be, but I'm not.
1: You have the mindset to be, so I would, uh, advise you to maybe look into it. Um, and uh, Jr. Uh, in the NFT space is someone um, that I know personally that I think you would enjoy uh, to follow as an artist. So uh, just something to think about. But
3: you gave such wonderful insights. I think that you know, folks at any stage of their business can
1: can find this useful. So we're
3: so appreciative of you taking taking time out of your evening to to share that with us and our listeners.
2: Of course, I I really, really appreciate the time and the platform to speak a little bit about my story and learning more about you guys. And I think what you guys have going on here is incredible, a space where you could put CEOs in a spot where they could learn. Um, If I got one person to be motivated to start their own business, or if I gave one piece of information that turns out to be useful, that's awesome. That's all I could ask for.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. It was so nice listening to your story and getting to know you. Your advice was perfect for our listeners, especially the, for me anyway. Um, when I talk to entrepreneurs who are getting started, they get really discouraged by the networking and that they may just reach out to their um you know, someone they idolize and then they get nothing and they're like, you know, what? this isn't working. Yeah. Um, I think that hearing experience from someone that it takes time. It, it's something that is a 24 seven thing is uh, good for our listeners to hear and, and it keeps them motivated. So thank you for for touching on those points.
2: No problem. I, it is my pleasure. And I hope that I, I did a good enough job to, uh, to to let people know the deal. You definitely did. Awesome. <laughs> you definitely did. Thank you so I'm much. I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited thank to you see so everything. Much. I'm excited to see everything. Can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. It'll be on my socials as well. And um, maybe I'll start a podcast of my own because you guys inspired me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you should, especially in, your, in the space. I don't know um, how many clothing lines have podcasts or are informational to others. So there may be a niche for you there that's, you know, unexplored. So, yeah, and you definitely have the voice for it.
4: I was gonna say the same thing. You think? Yeah, (laughs) not to mention, I loved one of the things, I know I didn't do much talking, but one of the things that I loved listening to was how you explained the hat. Because when I was going through your website, that was one of the first things that I noticed was like, okay, well, is he trying to, uh, you know, come across like as you know dangerous with that saying or is it you know you leave it up to your own interpretation so like no I completely think you nailed it so that was thank you. a know, wonderful explanation personally
2: yep it's an art it's an art space like you said and uh you leave it up to people to decide whether they want to subscribe to it or not and if they do great and if not that's just life, I guess. You know, we'll find somebody who does, or we'll, we'll create another saying, or we'll create another product that people will subscribe to.
1: I I agree. And you said you grew up what in at Atlant- in Atlantic Beach?
2: Atlantic Beach, yeah, like a really really small beach town, probably like a thousand people.
1: Not in New York.
2: No, yeah, in New York, Atlantic Beach, New York, on Long Island.
1: Yeah, I live on Long Island. That's why I was asking, and I've never heard of it. Yeah, nobody.
2: Beach, so like- <laughs> yeah, nobody. It's right next to Long Beach. I see I just I just googled it. Yeah.
1: I see my my best friend lives in Long Beach. So, yeah, um, it's a good spot. Yeah, I'm out in Suffolk, so I'm 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 much further <laughs> than that, but um, definitely. Just the way you thought about I, I knew it was either Nassau or Manhattan, but as you got talking I thought maybe you grew up uh, around Soho, but
2: Yeah. Well, no, now I live in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, which is beautiful. I mean, this time of year is a little rough in in the winter, but in spring and summer, it's, it's a great time. And that's when the business starts to usually take off too, because people are switching their wardrobes.
1: Do you have, do you have stuff on the streets? Like, do you have, um, so like like, in
2: stores? Yeah.
1: So you're like, are you in a store? Do you have, like, if I were to walk down the street, some, some, not yet,
2: not yet, not yet. Um, what I've, what I've encountered with stores like that is the process to actually get them in the store is insane. It's expensive,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: like I said, like I feel like I'm taking my my hands off my baby when it goes into a store like that because you are. You who are. knows what's gonna happen? I mean, <laughs> yeah. obviously, I want to like for promotion purposes. Like, I would love like a pack sun or one of those like urban streetwear. Places to pick up a hat, but I've gotten close. Um, I've had a lot of success with pop up shops. I partnered with a company in Soho that has their own brand. And before COVID, they had a storefront and they would invite all these different brands to come. And it was like $200. And you could invite everybody you wanted to. And you would just, you know, show off your stuff. And that was a great way to get the name out and make a ton of money. And that was a really cool time. It it hasn't been like that post COVID, but you know, about two years ago we had some really successful pop-up shops in the city in Soho. Yeah. Shout out to original works. They had a really cool spot in Soho that, you know, allowed different brands to just basically buy a rack, whatever you could fit on the rack, bring it, you know, tell all your buddies to come and support you. And they made it like an event and it was really, really cool. And a lot of my connections that I have today were made from that day. For example, the guy who does my embroidery work, I met at that pop-up shop. The guy who does my screens, I met that day at the pop-up. I still have customers from that pop-up shop that still visit my site today and purchase. So just getting out there, whether, like I said, you got to collab with a company that has a storefront, do it.
4: With you starting in your basement, How do you do it now? I guess would be my question, especially if you have an embroidery guy, a screen guy. How do you do production?
2: Right. So that's a, a great question. And anybody that is listening right now, I would be more than willing to consult on how to start a clothing brand because there's parts of it that are extremely easy and there's parts of it that are extremely hard. And when I started, I sunk a lot of money into things that I shouldn't have done, thousands of dollars, but the process of it is extremely hard to find a manufacturer that you trust. Um, so for me, that, that means good quality clothes. It's not gonna shrink. Right. Um, you, you trust the delivery time, it's quick. Then once you have the actual product that you're happy with, you need to find a screen printer that you trust that's gonna be willing to help your business because if they're lazy, if they can't give you a good price if they take too long to make clothes, you're, you're going to be screwed because you're not going to be able to get orders out. And once you can't get orders out, customers aren't going to trust you. If you send them something that, you know, peels off on the side or it shrinks and it comes from extra large to a small, congrats, you got them on one sale, but you'll never get them on two. So you really need to establish a team. And I was lucky because all the people that I work with basically started their businesses at the same time as me. So my screen printer lives around the corner from me. We went to high school together and he was invested in in my brand. Like he would go above and beyond to make sure that my stuff was done correctly. It was done quick. And he would always, you know, give the extra like love towards it. And I don't know if I was just like super lucky to have that but I'll never work with anybody else because I know that he's gonna take care of me no matter what. That was very important for me. I've gotten situations where I tried different embroidery guys, for example. And he, they've stolen my, they've stolen my designs. Like I've seen my designs on the streets of Harlem um, basically being copyrighted. And I was like, Whoa, that, that's not cool. How did that, how was, how did that happen? I never made that hat. I never made that color. And it was basically just like untrustworthy people that you're going to run into in life. It's kind of obvious. um, But it's just about determining who you could trust and who, who wants to see you win and who you could win with together and i've built a pretty cool you know team of people that that support my brand and that make it work what i see a lot is i see a lot of people try to enter the streetwear space or, or try to start a clothing brand and they'll get one or two really cool designs and they'll hit me up they'll be like hey i need 20 shirts i need 30 shirts and their buddies their their friends buy it their parents buy it and then it kind of fizzles out um, and that's what happened to me in the beginning but i knew that i wanted to stick with it that's kind of like the the point, like where are you gonna go? Like after six months, eight months, are you having enough traction where you could surpass your friends and family buying it? Or is that it? And now you're just gonna sink all your money into more shirts that no one's gonna buy and more ads that no one's gonna buy. So that's where I wish I could tell myself that two years ago. You know, I've done some things that I wish I could take back, but they're all learning experiences. And that's thankfully got me to the point where I'm at today.
1: Agreed. I think we've all been in those spaces where we're like, oh, we definitely shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. You know, even Danielle and I, Danielle's been in this space, you know, a little longer than I have, but working with, I, I don't even know how many companies at this point, I hear that often the businesses that are around, they don't give up, right? You yeah. continue to, to strive. And
4: just out a curiosity when you had mentioned, um, like when some of your um, designs were being distributed without like your notice or anything like that. Like, so do you do you copyrighted items now? Yeah. So yeah. like, how would you figure out that's like, okay, I now know like, this is what I need to do. How do I know if I can trust this person? Like, how do you, I know it's kind of a loaded question. Yeah,
2: no, It. It. And those are trade
1: secrets. Those are trade secrets for his consulting business. He can't give those away. <laughs> no,
2: I'm, I'm happy to. It, it really has nothing to do. And there's really no right answer, by the way. And that's just in light, like it comes down to instinct. I thought that this one individual I could, I could trust. Um, he made me a few batches of of hats and, and t-shirts that I never really loved the product to be honest, but I still sold it because I was so young in the game and I didn't know who else to go to. And he was giving me good prices and that's what kept me going there. But then one day when he just wouldn't, he wouldn't answer me for like, six days at a time seven days at a time i'm like hey where's my stuff i got i got customers that are waiting to get hats um can i get a response and like i don't know i'm just i'm i'm not i don't really have like a mean side i wish i did but it kind of nipped me in the butt at the end because he kind of took advantage of me and i and i had to move on from him um and then when i saw that the hats were being made and he was selling them himself i was like you know that's kind of mean But then. I, I, someone told me a word of advice. They were like, well, they don't, they don't make fake old Navy clothes. Like they'll make fake Gucci clothes. And that kind of stuck with me because it was like, wow, I guess I am maybe onto something that people are literally trying to steal from me. Like that's crazy. Um, I don't know how many brands could say that. So I kind of took it as a compliment. Um, and I just rolled with it, kind of took it on the chin and Found another embroidery guy that I'm super happy with now that I would recommend to anybody. Embroider Graham, is his name.
4: That's awesome. Well, I'm glad it worked out in the long run, and I'm glad you now have a team that that works for you. Thank you for going through everything. It was definitely interesting to hear your story, and especially being on the younger side of entrepreneurs, it's interesting to hear how you're
2: starting and then kind of where you're building up. So props. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means the world. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. Of course. Thank you for listening to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. We were joined today by Eric Lerner, founder and CEO of The Drip Kit. Again, you can find him at thedripkit.com. We look forward to having you listen in on our future episodes. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your host,
0: Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Elves, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information, free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.